You're listening to The Boz Show, the socially conscious podcast for leaders. Hey, Stacy, how's it going? Good, good. Great to welcome, be here. Welcome to The Boz Show. Uh, great to have you. Um, the first place I heard of you was on LinkedIn. You have some of the top courses on LinkedIn when it comes to uh, bias and cre- career strategy, and and it seems like you you have a pretty good space uh, on LinkedIn. Um, you're also a professor at Pepperdine. Um, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, I um, I teach a co-curricular class at Pepperdine. Before that, I was teaching at uh, a graduate graduate university in um, in the Valley area out here in the Los Angeles area. Um, so I am in the LA area. And um, the work that I do is diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, DEIJ. And um, I work with with companies. I work with their leaders. I work with their people managers. I work with their individual contributors to help them to create more inclusive workplaces. And um, I also, you know, have a background in in recruiting. And so I, I worked and did some career coaching as well. Put out a, a guide on uh, how to interview. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, as you said, I do have a couple of courses. I have four courses on LinkedIn's online learning platform. One is on making uh, writing a resume. One's on making a career change. Mm-hmm. And then the other two are on diversity and inclusion and recruiting and unconscious bias. So mm. that's a, those are all very interesting subjects. I mean, I think everyone has has been thinking about a lot of this over the past year. Uh, one for one that's very important is recruiting and and everyone's been thinking about a job. But the other part, the big part of it is is really recruiting, uh, you know, diverse candidates and allowing, you know, f- to expand the space. Um, so my first question is, you know, one of the biggest challenges I've seen and, you know, I have yeah, you probably noticed at first I have a very different name. And I think many other, you know, many people notice this immediately when when I go to hire uh, when I go to recruit for a position or someone tries to hire me. Um, what is the biggest sort of hurdle? in the space when it comes to recruiting and, and trying to recruit diverse candidates? I mean, th- there's so many. <laughs> mm. um, I think one of them, as you said, is the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many. Um, I used to use a, um, there's a, a, a buzz, Buzzfeed um, video mm-hmm. about Jose. Um, and if you literally just like Google Buzzfeed, Jose versus Joe. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he had to take the S out of his name in order to get a job. And, wow. um, you know, there are so many examples where people have had to change their name. There are women who will go by their first initial only on their resume um, so that they don't, you know, like Julia Smith might be Jay Smith on a resume. Mm-hmm. A lot of times if you see an initial on a mm-hmm. resume, it's because it's a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um just from names alone, there are so many things that we infer mm-hmm. about what people can and can't do or what they should and shouldn't do. And um, we inadvertently prevent people from getting jobs that they are more than capable and, and skilled to do. So so what happens in the process when someone sees some, some name they don't recognize? Is it just immediately, well, it just doesn't sound familiar and they kind of move on? Or is it more, you know, they have a profile in their mind of what a candidate looks like. And then as soon as they see Jose, for example, versus a Joe, they might just say, Hey, well, this is not what I thought in my mind for a person in this position. Both, right. Both. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Um, I think if you if you use the example of of Jose and Joe, um, one of the there are studies that have been done that show that people believe that Latino workers are are lazier, right, mm. less hardworking than others. So they see that name, and in it, 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 there's an innate uh, we've just been socialized to these mm-hmm. stereotypes about people. And so um, when we see, you know, there's a, a actual study as well that was done um, about Jamal and, and Lakeisha, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I forget the exact study, but again, if you Google it, you'll see there's so many studies about this that when these names pop up, we are making assumptions um, about mm-hmm. what people can and can't do. And it's not that mm-hmm. we wake up in the morning and say, I am planning to discriminate against Jamal today, right? Like, that's not the goal. It's not what we mm-hmm. make up to do. But because of the way that we are socialized, because of what we see, what we hear, sometimes from our own personal experience, we'll take one personal experience and we will extrapolate that across mm-hmm. everything. Right? I might have met one individual who did have a, a bad trait that I didn't like. And so now mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that everybody else who is like this person is going to behave in the same way. Mm-hmm. So all of those things um, come together to uh, create barriers to individuals, um, to really being their best selves in the workplace. Yeah, that's interesting. So in both of the scenarios, um, the names can put you in one bracket, uh, in the mind of the person doing the recruiting, but what about a name that's just completely unfamiliar? Is that, would that just disqualify them or is there some, what happens in that situation? I mean, it's really the, the same thing, right? Unfamiliar, when you're unfamiliar with a name, you start to to wonder, right? Mm-hmm. And again, you're going to, what is unfamiliar to one person might not be unfamiliar to somebody else. So again, that's also all relative and all based upon how we are socialized. Mm-hmm. So um, your name, right, might be unfamiliar to me, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. be unfamiliar to your your family, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to depend on who the person is that is doing the reviewing and mm-hmm. then what the name is that they're looking at. Mm. So how do you, I mean, it's, it's a big challenge and, you know, I've seen some of the data out there and, you know, most people that have, you know, uh, a different name, they're, they, fe- they face struggles you know, just from putting out the resume and other things, how do you overcome it? How, I mean, besides, you know, we want people to change, we want companies to change, but ultimately, uh, you know, it's an uphill battle, right? So for the people that are looking for jobs, what can they do? They have got to do their, their homework, right? Their due diligence. Mm-hmm. You've got to be looking for companies that are looking for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I would consistently say, yeah, I could, um, you know, change my race on mm-hmm. my uh, on my application. I could change my name. I could do all kinds of things. But at some point, I'm going to show up, and you're mm-hmm. going to see that I'm a black woman. Mm-hmm. And so, I'd rather skip the whole drama along the way. It's like if you don't intend to hire me, I'd rather know that sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. So, I think that for me as a candidate, I have to do my due diligence. I have to look for the companies that want to hire me. I have to look for the companies that are demonstrating diversity not mm-hmm. just putting a statement on their website, mm-hmm. but that are actually, um, and not just, you know, it's great to have the photos, the photos mm-hmm. will help, right? <laughs> um, but it's talking to people, it is reading the reviews. I know people mm-hmm. say, well, when you put reviews online about a company, it's usually because you either hate them or you love them, right? It's one right. or the other. So 
as someone who's doing your due diligence, you have to be able to read between the lines mm -hmm. and understand what are people saying and take it with a grain of salt, right? And understand that people who are saying bad things about a company, they're probably mm -hmm. gonna ratchet it up a bit because yeah. they're upset and they're angry, right? But it's still, there's kernels of truth in what mm -hmm. you were able to read. So being able to not only look at reviews online, look at news clips to see is the company in the news or mm -hmm. have they been sued recently, mm -hmm. right? Are there just what is out there about this company? What kind mm -hmm. of work are they doing? Are they doing work in the community? Are they doing good things? Mm -hmm. And that's going to help you to understand, is this a place where I would want to work and where I, I would be valued and where I'm going to be listened to and I'm going to be heard and I could potentially be promoted, right? Mm -hmm. Versus going to work for a company where, you know, sometimes you just know. You know, mm. I remember going on an interview once and I walked in and this man was berating the front desk, uh, the receptionist. Mm -hmm. He was just just berating her. And I thought, oh, my God, I don't want to work here. This yeah. person is an awful jerk. Right. And mm -hmm. if he's doing that at the front desk where people come in, clients come in, customers come in right mm -hmm. at the front. And he has no qualms about that. What's mm -hmm. going on behind the scenes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know that's that's really interesting. I mean, I think you know, I think back when I um, when I when I first graduated, you know, I went on so many different interviews, and there was one interview where the person was very, very vocal about his political views, right, and what he believed and what he believed about minorities and others. Um, but in that in that time period, you know, I didn't connect the dots, but I was there, and I just thought, hey, you know, I'm out of college. I guess this is what I have to do, right? I have to work with this. This, I mean, the guy was literally, uh, he was a he was crazy. I mean, he was just saying off the wall type of stuff. He's managing managing a major company, um, but he was just saying very discriminatory things. He was just talking about politics very openly with me, uh, and and the reason he did do that because I told him that you know I I was Muslim, and I, I just sort of made this clear when he was trying to ask about me, and. He went in and he told me a lot of things about politics and, 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 you know, Islam. And I was just like, okay. But in my head, I was just like, okay, well, if I come into the space, he seems like, although he's saying all this stuff, I could still make it work. And I feel a lot of times when you're under pressure for a job, you just, you're just like, yes. you know, I want, I'm going to make it work. Right. And, and we do that. Right. And especially when we start out. So I will say that excuse me, you make a really good point that mm -hmm. when you have got to, when you have to get a job, you got to get a job. Mm -hmm. But this is why looking for a job should not be about just looking at what's available online, right? Mm -hmm. You don't just want to go to LinkedIn or to, I don't even know what people go to anymore. I was like, does monster.com still exist? Uh, I, right? like, I, think so. <laughs> I think it's indeed. <laughs> right. Like indeed is where everybody goes now. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many different online platforms. You can't just do that. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not about just, picking the job that's available, right? Mm -hmm. It's about finding the job that's going to work for you. And so if you put some time and effort mm -hmm. into, um, into really doing a good job search, which requires not just looking online, but looking at mm -hmm. identifying the company that you want to work for. Mm -hmm. Just because you're fresh out of school, just because you don't have as much experience, doesn't mean you get to be treated any less human, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it really has to be about being prepared for that job search and knowing what you're looking for, asking the right questions. And yeah, you might have to take a job that you know, like, oh, this is not going to work out that well. But mm -hmm. know that don't stay there, right? 
Mm-hmm. Know that that is a stepping stone. Know that you're there because you need money. You got to pay your bills. You got to put food in your mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Those are things you have to do, but don't settle. What mm-hmm. happens a lot of times is we get a job and we're like, oh, so <laughs> that's great. Got the job, right? And then yeah. we sit and we stay and we try mm-hmm. to make it work. Like you said, instead of looking at it as, okay, I know this is not the place for me mm-hmm. right now, but in the meantime, I'm going to keep looking, right? Yeah. So you've got to do that hard work. You've got to be prepared and you can't look if you have not made it clear what you're looking for, which requires yeah. you to be clear on your goals, what mm-hmm. kind of company you're looking for and what it is that you want to do so that you can identify those companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, those are the things that you wish they tell you in undergrad, right? They never tell you any of this, especially they when it comes not. to the career <clears throat> strategy. I mean, I think I had maybe, I had to actively find a course to take on resume writing. You know, most most of undergrad, it's not very career driven in that sense. They don't tell you how to look for a company and uh, what to do beyond beyond the job fair. They don't. And so my course on LinkedIn is about two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. And people actually watch the whole, I'm saying, well, who watches the whole thing on resumes? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because I talk about those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just about putting your resume out. Mm-hmm. It is about identifying the place that you want to work at and then going after it. So I remember, one, I mean, granted, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, I'm aging myself. But coming out of high school, I mean, coming out of college, I wanted to get a job um, as a paralegal for one mm-hmm. of the largest law firms. And I was like, well, if I'm going to work as a paralegal, I might as well work for one that's going to make me the most money, right? Mm-hmm. Why am I going to work for a rinky-dink small one that's not going to pay me much when I could mm-hmm. go work for a large law firm and make more money? So mm-hmm. I identified what were those law firms? What were their names? Where were they? How close were they in, in, in my commute radius? You know, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this one's too far. I don't want to commute that far. This mm-hmm. one's too small, right? Go through all the different things. I looked at what type of law were they practicing? I don't like that kind of law. I don't want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Made my list. And once I had my list, I found out who were the hiring managers? Who was the one who was going to have to evaluate, evaluate my resume? Mm-hmm. I sent them a letter, right? Even back then, people weren't mm-hmm. using letters. You would have to go through a recruiter. I crafted a cover letter. I sent my resume. I mailed it to that person. And I said, I want to work for this company because, right? Mm. You've got to know what, why you're trying to do the thing you're trying to do and make somebody believe it. Mm. So I sent my resume to that individual. They did not have a job opening at the time, but mm. I knew I wanted to work there. Lucky for me, when they got my resume, somebody mm-hmm. resigned like a couple of days later. So my resume on his desk was the first resume he saw because it came before the person resigned. So that's why I'm saying it's not about looking for the open job. Mm-hmm. It's about identifying the job you want and then going to get it. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I, th- I think so many people are, are trained to do the numbers game, right? Now on, on Indeed, you can just attach and submit. You can just keep clicking and you just apply to like over 200 companies and you're just like, well, whichever one calls me back, I guess that's where I'm going to work, right? Right. That, that's sort of Complete the Complete opposite. Yep. Yeah, it should be the complete opposite. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about the course itself. You know, it's a very interesting course and, and it caught my attention. Um, how did it come come about? You know, you're teaching at a university. How did it come to you just starting to teach on at LinkedIn? Well, so LinkedIn actually came first. Um, I created that course, gosh, I want to say back in 2016 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was because they had an older course that needed to be updated. Mm-hmm. And so that course, they um, at the time, it wasn't even LinkedIn. It was lynda.com. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. LinkedIn bought lynda.com. And um, 
I had like literally like just signed a contract with Linda. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what kind of, you know, catapulted me, but I spent the time and created the, the, the course because again, I was working as a recruiter. I understood that, um, people were not putting the right amount of effort into their, their job search. Mm-hmm. People spend all the time putting effort into their resume. And uh, mm-hmm. honestly, some of it, it's, it's really, because like you said, it's a numbers game. People mm-hmm. don't necessarily do the work that needs to be done for that either, right? Mm-hmm. Tailoring the resume, customizing the resume for the job you want. Can you do that for 200 companies? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But can you do it for 10? Yes. So mm-hmm. that's why it's really important to find the 10, customize for those 10, know who you need to, to, to reach out to. And so the resume course, it's not just about the resume, it's about the strategy, right? Mm-hmm. You find the hiring manager, you find the head of HR, you find the recruiter, right? Mm-hmm. You find the department head, you find all these different people, you contact all of them and say, I want to work here, right? Mm-hmm. Because at least one of them is going to say, okay, this person seems like they really want to work here. Let me talk to them. So how do you tell them that? You just short email to each person, you call them. I mean, how um, how aggressive can you get uh, in that space? All of it. All. I mean, like again, when you know what you want, mm-hmm. what, what's to stop you from emailing, calling, faxing? Mm-hmm. When you say faxing, you're going to go, oh, my God, who faxes? Let me tell you who still faxes, First right? fax in 20 years. <laughs> I'm t- but let me tell you, insurance companies, mm-hmm. law firms, right, banks, financial mm-hmm. institutions, they still fax. Mm-hmm. So the only faxes that they get now are internal faxes back and forth and mm-hmm. faxes from other companies, right, faxing mm-hmm. documents. So if you send a fax, that's going to be like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. They're, because they're not used to seeing that, so it's going to stand out. So the job, your job in looking for a job is to find the way to stand out. What is a non-traditional way to get someone to notice you? Mm-hmm. Sure, you can send a LinkedIn message, but everyone's doing that, right? So again, send them, uh, send something through the mail, right? Mm-hmm. You can do that. You can send it uh, by mail and then you can call. Now, I know mm-hmm. when you call, it is sometimes you can't get through to people. I would always say call after hours, call after like 7 p.m. their time. Because then you can usually get through to their voicemail and leave a message. There's no gatekeeper. I mean, that's interesting. So many of us don't think of that, right? Most people are just like, they don't want me. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to move on. But, but part of it is getting it's getting their attention, right? It's hard to stand right. out. And it's if not that don't, they don't want you. They don't know you. They haven't met you. Mm-hmm. And 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 the resume part is is still very difficult, right? Because now you have to you're filtered by systems and algorithms and how does all of that work when you write a resume? I mean, do you even have a chance to be seen if you don't basically include all the right keywords and everything else within a resume? I mean, the resume systems are changing, right? The ATS system. So um, my advice used to be, yes, you want to make sure that you're putting in the keywords, et cetera, et cetera. But really what I tell people is, again, this is why the customization is so important. And you can't do this for 200 resumes because no one's got that kind of time, right? Mm-hmm. But if you know that there are 10 companies, even five companies that you really want to work for, your Mm -hmm. job is to go look at their website, look at the language they use, right? Mm -hmm. There are things, there are ways that they speak, that they communicate. You're in marketing, you understand this, right? There are ways that people communicate and you can then mirror that communication back into your resume. If they're Mm -hmm. using certain acronyms, you can use them too. If they're using certain words, you can use them too. Some people say company, others say corporation, some say organization. It sounds so Mm -hmm. simple, 
But it's just if you're mirroring the language that they're using and putting that in your resume, mm-hmm. when the recruiter reads it, it's going to feel familiar to them, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to feel strange. Strange doesn't get in, doesn't get interviewed. Familiar does. And you know that uh, that's an interesting segue. So the resumes that get read, would you say that you have to do a lot of you know, there's a lot of people nowadays that pay people on the internet to design them really well and, and make it very fancy and use images. Does that stand out or does the good old, you know, just simple one page or two pages? Fashioned, simple resume. Keep it simple. Paying people to do your resume is fine. But again, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that I created the resume course because you have to know how to customize your own resume. If mm-hmm. you have to pay somebody every single time, you're going to be out of a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you're paying somebody, you need to understand what they did to customize your resume so you can duplicate it. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you create one custom resume, but you're duplicating it for a bunch of people, it's no longer custom, right? Mm-hmm. So you're paying for one resume. Mm-hmm. You can't, you're not going to get a job that way. That's why a lot of people are spending a lot of money on resume writers and they are still struggling because they're missing the major point, which is the actual job search strategy. So with that, so the de- so the design work, is that, I mean, for me as a marketer, I always design my resumes, right? Is that a thing? Is that, do people want that or is that, that just specific, that to, a specific to a field? I would say it's specific to a field. And I would also say that it's great if you're, if you're interviewing in person, right? Mm-hmm. So you also have to have different kinds of resumes. Mm-hmm. If you're submitting a resume to an ATS system, it doesn't need pictures. It doesn't need all the bars and charts and graphs and things because it's not going to translate well. It's, yeah. it's not going to get pulled into the system and you're not going to get seen. Mm-hmm. But if you're seeing somebody in person, you finally made it through that system and you are getting called in for an in-person interview, then yeah, fine. You could bring a more detailed, a little bit more standout resume because you're handing it to them in person and they would have your regular resume online that they can download as well, right? You should always bring both versions because some people are going to look at the flowery one and go, I don't need all this. Yeah. You know, that's a very interesting point. And I just feel, I just feel for the people that have to, that don't probably understand a lot of this and they have to go through the process because, you know, I know many people are searching for jobs and many people have worked for, let's say for 20 years in very traditional settings. And now they're going back into the workspace after working, you know, in a, in a space for a very long time. And they don't understand this because when they had a resume before it was either mailed or done something very traditional. Now it's, you know, through this whole digital system and it's still very confusing to many people. Um, um, especially if you've been uh, in the workforce for a very long time. It's confusing to everyone. I think everyone hates it. And, you know, I do a lot of, of work with, like I said, with uh, companies now, especially training talent acquisition teams. Mm-hmm. And I always ask them, if would you put your mother through your recruitment process? And if you wouldn't, then you need to fix it, right? <laughs> would you put your best friend through your recruitment process? That should be the litmus test. And so, you know, the book that I wrote that was called Unbiased, um, Addressing Unconscious Bias at Work. It just got released. And I'm using that uh, to, as a roadmap to help companies be thinking about this. I mean, the other thing, too, as I mentioned, is the Unconscious Bias course on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's another tool. Like, people need tools to be thinking about how to change the way that they are relating to others in the mm-hmm. workplace. The way that they're doing it now, it doesn't work. 
right? It works for a small sector of people. And mm-hmm. that is why we have to really start looking at equity in the workplace, mm-hmm. right? Removing the barriers and, you know, um, paying attention to how we are diversifying a workforce, not only diversifying, but including. So, so over the past year, everyone, a, a good portion of people have been saying that they're really interested in, in being more inclusive in the workspace. They've made statements, they've changed the pictures on their website, right? And they have said they were, they're going to do more. I, you know, I hear a lot of talk about it. And the only thing I've really seen is that many companies have hired now, you know, like a VP of diversity, a VP of diversity and inclusion. And many of these positions have opened up, but is it actually changing the space or is it just sort of a, just a response to deal with it? And they're going to move on once it's not a topic anymore. I think it's a response to deal with it. I think there was, there is genuine uh, desire right, mm-hmm. to make a difference. However, that genuine desire has to, you know, they're looking at it like, well, how much effort is this going mm-hmm. to take, right? How much extra work might I have to do? Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of, of space, you know, there's a spectrum, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so saying you wanna do something, it's like you wake up in the morning, it's like, I wanna lose weight. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Do I believe that? Sure, I do. I really want to. But am I going to put in the work that it is going to take to mm-hmm. actually do the things I need to do to create the results? Mm. And it, it's kind of the same thing in the workplace. You know, yes, we want diversity. Okay, but what does that look like? That means you actually have to look at your practices, your policies, your procedures. Mm-hmm. You actually have to change them. It means you really have that person in the office who like you said, is not a nice person, is always talking about politics and, and making people feel small, mm-hmm. that person probably needs to be fired. Right? <laughs> and, those and are the, things, those the are hard problem decisions. is that that person yeah. is like, we need change, <laughs> and he's not looking at himself. <laughs> You're right. And that's why some, what we end up doing is coming in and, and coaching. You know, mm-hmm. for those people who say, yes, we want to we change, but we don't know how, we start with those conversations. You know, mm-hmm. we're having those tough conversations and saying, you said A, but you're actually doing B. Mm-hmm. And here's what we need to do, right? Mm-hmm. So if you really want this result, these are the things that we need to do. And we're, we're coaching one-on-one with executive leaders. Mm-hmm. We are sitting down and we're, we're doing these workshops and we're, we're moving the needle slowly. Mm-hmm. I wish we could move it faster. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is empowering everyone else to change too, right? Like mm-hmm. this isn't something that I have to do as a DEI leader and come in and do for the workforce, right? Yeah. It's something yeah. that every individual in the workplace needs to embrace mm-hmm. and do their part. So are these executive so, leaders, um, are they are they very receptive or sometimes is it just something they're trying to get through and make themselves feel better? Or are they very, you know, is it like a process where daily they reach out and say, hey, I'm thinking about this, should I do this? Am I doing it the right way? How, how does that process look? Yeah, I mean, it, I <laughs> I see both, right? I mm-hmm. see people who are just like, oh my gosh, this woman is talking to me right now. <laughs> and I hear her mouth is moving, but I'm just not really on, you know, on board yeah, with what they, she's saying. They're just checked out <laughs> right? and they, they're going to do whatever they want anyways. Right. And then you and have so, to go back and like, I just told you not to do that. <laughs> right. 
like literally, we have to have those conversations. And when some people, so again, that's why the coaching, it takes some time. We have to have the conversation. We have to have the conversation again. We have to demonstrate examples. And we've seen movement, right? Where people go, wait, oh, so you mean this is bad? It's like, yes, we've been saying like, oh my God, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they finally get it, right? And yeah. then they're making movement. And like, so that's the important piece is that they eventually get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can joke about it. I laugh about it. But it's it's part of it, too, is that they're not bad people. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't wait. Like I said, they don't wake up and go, oh, I'm going to be a jerk to this person today or mm-hmm. I'm going to stop this person from getting hired today. That's not the goal. The thing is, yeah. they're not thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not on their radar. They are not thinking about you. They don't know you. They're just getting up and they're just doing what they've done every single day. So mm-hmm. our job in the work that we do is to come in and interrupt that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like every day they're doing the same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. And we have to interrupt it and go, stop. Mm. So you're changing <laughs> you a routine that thing. might be established for 20 something years, right? Yeah, which is, it's, it's hard, right? That's not something that's going to change overnight. And I think mm. that's what we're seeing is frustration when people are like, well, this needs to change immediately. Mm. I get you. It absolutely it should have changed already, but mm. it hasn't. And now I'm not a magician and it's not going to change overnight. So we gotta okay. work with the, with the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that and that's the that's the difficult thing, right? A lot of people do want change, and I think it's and there's a lot of anger, right? There's a lot of people that are angry about it, and I think it it's it's justified. Um, but unfortunately, the way the structures are worked and the way people and human beings are as a whole, they don't just change yep. immediately, right? It's uh, it's habits that are formed, and even if you change po- for policy, and 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 you can correct me here, but I've seen people companies change policy but the people still act in ways and maneuver around the policy and still do the same problematic things right those are the practices that's why i'm always like you got to change the policy but then you actually have to change the practice because mm-hmm. you can change the policy all day long but it's a piece of paper that somebody wrote right yeah. and like you said someone is always always going to find a way around it definitely well i really appreciate this conversation i mean this is just so much i, I mean i've uh, i enjoyed taking part of your linkedin course i, I didn't complete it yet um Maybe maybe when I'm on the, in the market, I'll complete it. But I think it's an excellent course. Um, I always enjoy reading your posts on LinkedIn. Uh, tell us a little bit of how people can find you, how they can uh, access your course and check out your books also. Thank you. Um, so the, the easy way right now is, is unbiasedbook.com. And that's mm-hmm. U-N-B-I-A-S. My book is back there. Um, unbiasedbook.com because it will take you to my website. It's got the links to the book. Uh, the book can be found on Amazon. It can be found at Barnes and Noble. It can be found at all your independent booksellers, which is really great. So if you know independent booksellers and can support them, please do. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. My courses are on LinkedIn. Not everyone knows that LinkedIn learning um, exists. Mm-hmm. You know, they think about LinkedIn for jobs but mm-hmm. and for their profile, but they don't realize that LinkedIn learning is, is there. So um, there are links to my LinkedIn learning um, courses. As I said, the, the resume course is a great resource mm-hmm. um, and it might still be free. Like mm-hmm. Microsoft has made it free mm-hmm. for many, many months. They've been making it free as part of a bunch of different um, paths, learning paths. Mm-hmm. So you might have the opportunity to uh, take it you know, for free. Yeah. And if you've got a library card, a lot of libraries also have mm-hmm. access to LinkedIn learning for free. Um, you just go online using your library card. So you can check that out too. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn Learn is an amazing resource. Most people, they go to YouTube to learn, but you know, I, I do go to LinkedIn Learn because 
you could search any subject and there's just, you know, the, the whole course is built out for you and, you know, you just pay the monthly uh, fee or, or the other options that, that you just mentioned. Uh, and you have a plethora of information, right? You can study any subject and, and then at the end you do get a certificate, right? You get a little certificate. You do, so you you do get a certificate. Yep. Sounds good. And that helps well, with your profile for the job, right? So again, mm -hmm. if you're looking for a job, um, being able to put one of those certificates out there showing that, you know, you've excelled in a specific uh, product or, you know, that they've got so many different courses out there, especially coding, et cetera. That there's just, there's tons. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, I really appreciate your time, Stacy. Uh, stay safe, stay, uh, I don't know what where we're at with the, with the pandemic, but you know, hopefully we'll be <laughs> out of this soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, the, the conversation today. All right. Take care. Thank you guys for listening to The Boz Show. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, and share.